So I want you to open up your Bibles in 1 John chapter 5. We've come to the last sermon in our series talking through the letter, the letter of, of John. Amen. The last one in this letter. Who enjoyed going through the letter of John? Have we learned some things in there? Absolutely. The Lord is so good. And he, I've learned a lot preaching through this letter again. Um, I've been praying what book we should do next time. But I think I'm going to just do a series, a short series starting next week on guarding your heart with all diligence. Uh, it's run about five sermons in that. So um, it's talking about this heart of ours. But for today, I want to finish with this chapter. I want to finish with this book. And we're in 1 John chapter 5. And I want to talk to you about that you may know. That you may know. It's one, for some people, a very controversial topic. That you may know. Assurance of salvation. And a lot of people don't understand it because they don't read the word. Well, maybe, you know, that's what I believe sometimes happens. But uh, I want to talk to you about that, and it's 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. But before we go to that verse, I want to start with verse 12, because I think it's one of the most important verses in your Bible. Verse 12 in your Bibles. It says there, He who has the Son has life. Can you say amen to that? Amen. He who has the Son has life. I mean, it is just straightforward what it says it there. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That is where we ended last time, before Oral preached last week. That's where we ended. There is a lot of people who is driving past this place. There's a lot of people in the world who do not have the Son, and they do not have the life. And you can see it in their lifestyles. You can see it in their lives. And I'm, I'm not talking about people who's got a lot of wealth and fame and all of those things. You may think that they are doing well, but they are not. It is on the outside good, but it's not good on the inside. And you and I know you can look at a perfectly well apple. You know, it's perfectly on the outside, but you don't know that the worm is already eating on the inside. It is only by the day that you come to the point that you want to pick it up and you want to eat it and your thumb goes right through the apple. Has it happened to you as well? It's happened to me a few times. And you go, yeah, that is, that is not good. May it not be so with you and me sitting in church. Because we expect it from the people in the world, but we do not expect it from our brothers and sisters in the church. So this is what we need to look out for. He who has the Son is the one. The Son here is Jesus Christ. I think it's so clear. It's a capital letter. The one who has got Jesus Christ has life. And the life he's talking here is eternal life. I think everybody in this church knows that. And if you don't know that, then I pray that the Lord will open it up to you through the Holy Spirit. We're just going to open up the Scriptures today, okay? He who has Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has life. And John say today, that is all that you need. That's all that you need today. It's not wealth. It's not health, it is not beauty, it is nothing of those things. Although it, and my brother said it so perfectly at the table, there's a message out there which is a prosperity message, which says if you are not wealthy, 
then you are not of God, because God's children should be wealthy. Well, I'll tell you, I've met some very poor children of God who is steadfast in their faith. I know of a, of a man that was with me on school. He's doing work now in the Middle East. He's, he's, you know, he hasn't got all the money in the world. And, and he prays for things. And the Lord brings miracles to that ministry. He brings miracles to that ministry. They, they, they want to build a church. And they, the, they, people are just coming forward and started helping in that. They don't have a lot of wealth, but they have Christ. They have the Son. And that is all that matters. And I want to ask you this morning, do you have the Son? Do you have the Son? Can you sit here this morning and say, Jesus Christ is in my life and I am in Him, so that I can live and He can live through me and I through Him. That is what this is all about. And, and it needs to bring security and confidence out of all of this. Like I say, it's not fame. No, it is the Son, and if you do not have the Son, Jesus Christ, you have nothing. You have nothing. People think they have a lot, but they do not have a lot. You see, this is a very confident statement by John here. If I look at this statement and I, and I think by myself, John, what are you saying here? He is so confident, he comes out into the world and he makes this statement. This statement, by the way, will not stand in your workplace because they do not have the sun. And I'm going to show it to you today why they will not listen to you. Maybe in your family. Yes, your very own family. They do not have the sun. They have nothing. And they may be looking at you and say, are you mad? Are you crazy? You're giving your whole life up to follow this Jesus Christ? Well, guess what? He is the Son. And if you have the Son, you have life. He puts it in the positive and then he changes it into the negative. It is a very confident statement Paul, uh, John gives us here. And the question is, where did John get this confidence from? That he can put down a statement like this. Where is this coming from? Well, you and I know that he said in the beginning of this letter that he spent time with whom? With the Son. He spent time with Jesus. Are you spending time with Jesus? You can proclaim this morning that you know the Son, but if you don't spend time with Him, you will not know Him better. You will only know Him because you've heard about Him and you see how He operates in other people's lives. But John has spent time with Jesus. It is evident there. He said it himself at the beginning of this, of this letter. He says, the one whom I've seen, the one whom I've heard, I've heard his very own voice, the one I've looked into, I've studied his life. That is what I proclaim to you, the word of life. If he spent time with Jesus, he would have heard what Jesus was teaching. Isn't that right? And when he have heard Jesus teaching, what did that do? It built confidence in Him. First of all, you put your faith in Jesus. And then what happens? If you put your faith in Jesus, you start knowing Him and you start taking on what He's teaching. And this is what happened with John. We find here in John chapter 10, uh, verse 27, Jesus is walking here on the Feast of Dedication. He's in the temple. And He comes down to Solomon's porch. And he's got a big following, people following him. And the Jews come to him and they say to him, they say, if you are the Christ, just tell us plainly. Tell us whether you are the Christ or not. 
And Jesus said to them these words. He says, I've already told you. And I've shown to you that I'm the Christ. And then he comes to these words, which I believe John would have heard. And I come back to the fact that I'm saying to you this morning, that there's a lot of people who's trying to teach that you get revelational knowledge, or you just soak in the Spirit, and the Spirit will, is your teacher, and He will teach you. No, no. You need to listen. You need to open up your Bible and study the words of Christ. Because that gives you the confidence. We, we saw two weeks ago, there is witnesses, three witnesses from heaven that testified about this. And that gives us confidence. So, at this particular day there in Solomon's porch, when they ask this question, Jesus answers them these very profound words, which you need to underline in your Bible and study. Because it's the words of Christ. He says, My sheep hear my voice. Are you hearing the Master's voice this morning? Or are you just hearing this South African accent here in the front? Are you hearing the Master's voice when you open up your Bible and you read it for yourself? Because He is speaking. He's speaking this morning. And the problem is not with Him speaking. The problem is with you receiving. That is where the problem lies so many often times. Because it could be a various of things that takes His word away from you. Your busy lifestyle. Your anxieties. Your worries in life. So that his voice is so dim. He's been blotted out with all of the picture noise of the world. And all of the noise of the world. But he is speaking. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. Who, can you shout hallelujah to that? He knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Did you know that? And so many times he, let, he allowed things in your life so that you may know more about yourself and more about Him. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Praise the Lord. And this is the next step. They follow me. Are you following Jesus Christ? Are you following the shepherd? What shepherd are you following this morning? It is a man, is it a church, or are you following Jesus? He says, they hear my voice, and I know them. I've read this little part about in those days, where there were over 500 sheep in a, in a pen, and they were sitting there overnight, you know, protecting them against the, the dangers of night. And the shepherd will come, and he would call his sheep. It's not like here in the Western world. In the Western world, the sheep is right there, and the shepherd is at the back, and he's got his dogs, and they push the sheep on. But there, the shepherd would walk in front, and the sheep will follow the shepherd. And this particular day, the shepherd came out, and he had a distinctive cry to his sheep. I don't know what it is, but he called his sheep out of that pen. He says, come my sheep, maybe like that, I don't know. I'm not the shepherd then. Says, come my sheep, come follow me. And out of that 500, they heard that voice. Do you still recognize the voice? They heard the voice and as they walked out, what happened? These sheep started walking towards that voice. And only a hundred sheep walk out of that pen. 
Because they know the shepherd's voice. My friend, I wonder today, as, as the Lord calls you every single morning, every single day at your workplace, wherever you are, are in, your, in your place where you have activities, and you, can you still hear His voice when He calls you out? He says, my sheep follow me. And I give them eternal life. You see? This is why. This is why John can make a statement like this. He who has the Son has life. John, where did you get this? Well, I know the shepherd. And I know the voice of the shepherd. And I know that the shepherd knows me. And one day, he called my name. And because he called my name, I started to follow him. And because I started to follow him, what happened? He gave me eternal life. Listen, I didn't have to work for it. I'm a sheep. Who knows that sheep are dumb animals? <laughs> now I'm going to leave this church now. He's called me dumb. <laughs> but they are. Two sheep gets out. And they walk away from the fold. And they, they're out there. And, and the wolf is out there. And what do they do? They haven't got direction. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to get back to the fold. And what happens? Bear, bear. And, and here comes the wolf and he, and he kills one of them. Right there, in front of the other one. Would you think that that sheep will, will run back to the fold? Would you think it would run away? Have you seen sheep? No, he may get 10 meters away and then he starts walking around rudderless. Don't know where to go. What do I do now? What, whoa, look at that. All the blood. Ooh, what do I do now? That is sheep. That is us. Without Christ. When I look into the world, I see sheep without a shepherd. Because they do not know his voice. May I shock you this morning when I look into some churches, people who are warming the benches and the pews in churches, I see sheep who are without a shepherd. It's not my voice you need to hear this morning, it's His voice. That's the most important. I can't give you anything. I haven't got any authority over you. The shepherd has. And it's Him who gives eternal life. So that now John can come out and he have this very strong and confident statement that he says, He who has the Son has life. No church, let, let it be known. No religion, no Buddha, no Muhammad, nothing like that. It is the Son, it is the Son, it is the Son. Let's praise the Lord, hallelujah. Yes, let's give the Lord a hand, hallelujah. He gives eternal life and they shall never, everybody say never, they shall never perish. What does the word never mean? Lincoln, it means never, ever. Yes? I'm not going to add to the Bible, but it says never, they shall never perish. Why? Because there's a shepherd who's looking after the sheep. Neither shall anyone, everybody say anyone. What does anyone mean? Well, it means anyone. Yes, that was so good English teaching right there. It's anyone snatched them out of my hand. I want you to see this now. The shepherd says, this is my hand, the sheep is in my hand. 
And he says, no one will come and snatch them, take them out of my hand. He's saying this to the Jews there in that Solomon's porch. He's saying it to the very ones who said, tell us whether you are the Christ. But you see, they couldn't hear his voice. And he says to those people, if my sheep is in my hand, they will never perish. Why? Why will they never perish? Because they have what? They have eternal life. Have you got eternal life this morning? Oh, you can't say that. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. He says, my father. Now he talks about him. Now he says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. Who believes that? I want to tell you something today. I was a young, strong man. I'm still young and I'm still strong, but not as strong as I used to be. But when I played rugby, I always looked out in other teams for those big guys. And I go, man, I can take you. Yeah? You know where I'm coming from. I can take you. But there's always going to be another one who sees me as the big guys and say, well, I can take you as well. And I can tell you, I've been taken a few times. But on God's plane, when God sits down, there ain't anyone on His level. There is nobody... It is blasphemy for those who even think that Lucifer is on God's level. He is a created being like you and me. But we are in the image of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen? On God's level there ain't nobody. If God says it's so, then it is so. If God says, let there be light, there is light. If God says a word into your life today, it will be whether you like it or not, it will happen. This is what I believe in God. Now he says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. He is our despot. Do you know what a despot is? He is the one who is the greatest. And now he goes on to say, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And I and my Father are one. I want you to see this. He says, this is my hand and my sheep is in my hand. And no one will take him from there. I thank the Lord for that. That even includes myself. And then the Father comes. And he puts his hand over it. You want to try to take somebody out of God's hand? I, I want to say it like this, and it may shock you. You would be a fool to try to do that. It'd be foolishness. Now I understand. And listen, let me tell you. We have the same confidence that John has here. I hope you do have it today. You see, he says these things here, and John heard that. And here, years later, John writes to his little children, to the children in the churches, and to you and to me today, because it's a prophetic word as well. And then it's a personal application to you personally. He writes this, and he says all of this, He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son do not have life. You see, he gives them eternal life. And that means they don't earn it and they don't work for it. I hear so many people today preaching a works gospel. A works gospel. It is faith plus works. You need to do a lot of things to be saved. 
And then you need to keep on doing those things to stay saved. I don't preach that here. I don't read it anywhere in what I'm teaching. I don't read it anywhere that Paul is teaching and opening up the Scriptures. No, no, there is a difference here between the works that you and I need to do after the cross of Christ and the works before the cross. The Every single work that you do before you come to the cross of Christ is like filthy rags. It means nothing before God. You cannot earn your salvation. He says, He gives eternal life. You see this word here? You see this word here? You see this word there? It says He gives. He didn't say, you work and then I'll give. He gives it to you. That's the work of the Father. And now that we are saved, now we go to the book of James. Now we talk about the work that we need to do after the cross. You see, there's so many lazy Christians in churches today. Am I shocking you? I hope so. Because they just come in church and they sit down and say the pastor needs to build this church. I'm not building anything. If you think I'm building a church, you, 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 you misguide it. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm equipping you to go out and to make disciples. That's my work. What is your work? You need to sit here and you need to grow in four things. Let's see if we remember. In knowledge, in faith, in grace, and in love. Well done, my brother. How do I do that? By sitting back on a Sunday? No, no. You become obedient. You become active in the Word. Everything you learn on Sunday, everything you read in your Bible study through the week, you start to obey them. That's how you're going to grow. And that's the works after the cross. So let's come back to the verse here. He says now a very, very confident statement, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you, would you believe there's people even in churches who's not as confident as that? They say, oh no, I don't know what's going to happen in two weeks from now and then, um, you know, I'm going to be snatched out and lose. No, no. Now, you remember this verse? We've already preached over it. 1 John chapter 2 verse 28. Let me remind you. He says, and now, little children. You see, he doesn't call them sheep yet. He called them little children. He says, little children abide in him. That... When He appears, are you still waiting for the appearing of the Lord? Are you ready for Him? He says, when He appears, we may have what? Confidence. I'm talking about confidence today. And not be ashamed before Him at His coming. You see, the word confidence here is a very interesting word. It means farsia, which means it's the freedom in speaking your mind. It means to be frank. Not frank in rudeness. It means to be when He appears. And forget about this little Bible, children Bibles, where you see Him as a, a, a long-haired man. You know, don't, that's not how Jesus is going to look when He appears to you. If you want to know how He's going to look, open up in Revelation chapter 1. He ex explain Him there to you perfectly. That's who you're going to see. And, and, and what color is His eyes going to be? Blue? Brown? Green? Yeah, we say it again. Fiery eyes. How are you going to see him then? When he appears. And why is it fiery eyes? Because fire burns, isn't it? And fire refines, isn't it? And fire tests, isn't it? Are you ready for the taste of Christ? You see, a lot of people don't have confidence. 
And, 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 and I'm not surprised they haven't got confidence because they, they don't hear his voice anymore. They don't study anymore. They don't learn. They don't sit at his feet anymore. There's no confidence there. But the main confidence comes at the cross of Christ when he saves your soul and he gives you eternal life. And this is what he says. He says, when he appears, will you have confidence that when you look into the eyes of the Son of God, Jesus Christ the Messiah, will you have confidence to speak your mind? Not to give him a piece of your mind. There's a difference. You cannot give God a piece of your mind. But you speak your mind. You speak your mind. You can talk to Him with no fear, with no guilt, with nothing of that. Are you as confident as that sitting here this morning? Well, John say you can be so confident. He says that we need to be able to have confidence when He appears. How do we find this confidence? There's only one place. He who has the Son has eternal life. That confidence comes through Jesus Christ. Don't think you're going to appear before Him and He's going to look with His fiery eyes at you and say, But Lord, I'm such a good churchgoer. But Lord, you should see me at the Dorcas. You should see me at the food bank. You should see me being an usher. You should see... No, no, none of that is going to... The first confidence you have is in the Son Jesus Christ. Now he says this in verse 13. 1 John 5 verse 13. Now John comes down after that very bold statement of confidence. He says, these things I've written to you who believe. Everybody say, who believe. In the name of the Son of God that you may know. Everybody say no. That you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. I love this verse. Do you? This is a confident verse. This gives us confidence. But a lot of people don't read this verse. They don't want to see that verse because they do not have confidence. These things. Now I know there's a lot of commentators and scholars and, and they say, you know, these things may refer to the, the, the previous five verses. But I want to say these things refer to the whole letter that John was writing. Because if you start with this letter, he started talking about love. He started about walking in the light. He started all of those things that Christ do for you. Yes? And he says, these things I have written to you, that you who believe in the name of Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. But that's not the first time that he wrote this. It's not the first time. If you go to the gospel, when he wrote the gospel, the same John... He wrote the gospel, according to John, in 2030. He says, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Where? In the presence of whom? Was John one of those? Of course he was. This is what I'm saying. He saw, he heard. He heard the voice of the shepherd. And then he followed the shepherd and he learned from him. And now he says, which are not written in this book. I, I think there's no library in the whole world who will hold all the things that Christ have done in depth. I'm not talking about the best sellers, okay? These days, we walked into the bookstore yesterday to buy some Bibles, and you find all of these best sellers out there. And you know what? I look at some of those and I say, they're not even good for burning in fire. I'm just saying... 
base it on the Word of God. Make with it whatever you want to make with it. But there's a lot of people who write a lot of things which is not in the Word. And they are best sellers, Christian best sellers. They, they're using Christ as a product to sell and make money for themselves. But let it be known, one day they will give an account. It's not my work to expose them. I'm preaching the gospel. Look at verse 31. He says, but these are written. What things? All of the things in the gospel. If, if somebody comes to Christ, I recommend you read the gospel of John, according to John. Because he writes these words in verse 31, he says, But these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have what? Life. We all saw who gives the life now, didn't we? I want you to notice this now, because this happened before this. The gospel was written. He was written before this. Now I want you to see there's something subtle that changed here. And it's a message for us. Look at these words. First he say, I write to you these things that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. It means that at this point in time they did not believe yet. That you may believe. If I say that you may believe, I'm going to do something that there is a result. There is a reaction to that. And now in the letters he says, I've, these things I have written to you. So that you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. You see, they moved from May to now you do believe. And now that you do believe, what will happen? You will start to know. You will start to know. It comes back to what we've learned in John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. And they, and I know them. And they know my voice. You see, this has already been written. You may be sitting here this morning, and if you sit here this morning and you haven't come to the cross, my friend, dear brother, sister, sir, madam, whatever you want to be called, I want to, I want to ask you to come to the Savior this morning. Come to the cross. Cry out to Him. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Save this sinful soul. And you know what he will do? He will hear you. Because the Bible says he will hear you. And what will happen? What will happen? He will give you eternal life. And then you will become into this one. It's to you who believe, now that you believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That is confidence. That is confidence. You say, but... But preacher, can I know that I have eternal life? I'm asking you. Don't ask me. But what does John say? Yes, you can know that you have eternal life. But I'm not just basing it on that. I'm going back again. You would have remembered when uh, we looked at this verse in 1 John chapter 4. It's on YouTube. You can go and listen to the sermon. In 1 John chapter 4 verse 13, he says, By this we do what? You see, John is all about no. Not hope. He didn't say, by this you hope that we abide in Him. He says, by this we know that we abide in Him and He in us. How do we know this? How do we know this, John? Because He has given us what? His Spirit. When I go to the book of John, to the Gospel of John, Jesus turns around and He says to His disciples, I will pray the Father and I'll send you another comforter, a helper, a parakletos, and He will be with you, and where? And how long? 
forever. Forever. So here we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Son. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 he says, For as many as are led by whom? By the Spirit of God, these are what? Sons of God. I don't have to unpack it. The Bible is so clear. These who were led by the Spirit, they are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Though I look into some churches, there are still Christians who fear the coming of the Lord. They say, oh, I'm not ready. I haven't got the confidence to look him in his eyes. Why? John says you can have the confidence. It's not, I'm just preaching what it's there. He says you can have the confidence, but you're walking around in fear. And this is not fear of the world. This is not your worldly troubles. No, no, this is talking expect, you know, this is talking about Him. He says, but you receive the spirit of what? Adoption. By whom we cry. My brother prayed it this morning. Abba, Father. Can you cry Abba, Father this morning? If you have got the Holy Spirit in your heart, you can cry Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears what? Witness with whom? With our spirit. You see the small letter spirit there? That we are what? You are preaching the sermon this morning. I love it. I love it. We are children of God. Listen, when you're going to walk out of this place today, you're walking out as a child of God. Let no one tell you something else. You're a loser. Well, in your eyes, I'm a loser. Your family say it to you, isn't it? Your friends say it to you. Oh, look at that Christ. You know, he's a loser. You can call me whatever you want to call me, but I'm a child of God. Praise the Lord. Why? Because I have the Son. Hallelujah. And the Son gives me what? Eternal life. I have life. I have life. Now he says it here, we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and heirs and joint heirs with Christ. And if deed we suffer with Him, that we may also be... Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I went so fast over that and you picked it up and well done. Oh, we don't want to suffer these days. No, no, we don't want that kind of Christianity, do we? Bed of roses, man. Or a path of roses, isn't it? It's so easy to be a Christian. That's what they teach. Not here. You're going to suffer. But that's a different message. I just want to quickly read to you what Thomas Brooks wrote. And I, and I found it. He was a Puritan in 1654. You see, it's not only in our age. But let me just read this to you. Assurance is the believer's ark where he sits. Noah-like. Like Noah sat in the ark. Quiet and still in the midst of all distractions and destruction. Commotion and confusion. Is that our world? Yes? Are you sitting still like, like a Noah in that ark of assurance? If you have the sun, you should be sitting like that. You should not be fretting out like the world. But I love it when he writes this. He says, however, most Christians live between fears and hopes. And hang, as it were, between heaven and hell. They don't know where they're going to end up, they say. Sometimes they hope that their state is good. And other times they fear that their state is bad. Now they hope that all is well, and that all shall go well when, uh, with them forever. Then they fear that they shall perish by the hand of such a corruption, or by the frequency of such or such a temptation.
They are all like a ship in a storm, tossed here and tossed there. I like that. Because I'm telling you, I've, I'm, not, I'm not asking you this. I'm not asking you, okay? I'm telling you what I'm telling you now. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how long I'm in, in ministry and preaching as a pastor because I don't want you think that I'm trying to impress you. But over the years, just take that for my word, I've come across a lot of people like this. A lot of people like this. One day they're up, the other day they're down. It's like the ocean. I've been in that waters. I've been out there in the deep ocean on a big ship. And I tell you, a big ship is small in a big ocean. And when it goes up, you see everything and it's all honky-dory. Is that a word? Honky-dory. And then it goes down. And all you can see is the water. And you know what you get if you do that often? Seasick. And that's an ugly thing. Believe me. I haven't had it, but I've seen it. And a lot of Christians are like that. They're up and they're down. They're up and they're down. Why? Well, we don't know. I, I mean, I can tell you one after the other testimony about this. Now let's finish, because there's more confidence that comes out of this. How is your prayer life, by the way? I love it when it's so quiet in a church when you ask a question. Because it flows into your prayer life, this confidence. This is what John writes. 1 John chapter 5, 14. Now this is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. There is our word parousia. It means we have, we have the, the confidence to speak our mind. Do you know that you can even do it now? You can speak your mind to God right now. You don't have to wait until you die. When I pray, every morning I speak my mind to God. Every morning he says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. He who has the Son. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we have asked of Him. Now, I'm, I'm not going to unpack this, maybe in, an, in another sermon, but there's a quick message here about, a lesson about prayer. There's a quick lesson here. First of all, we need to ask. Do you know that so many Christians don't ask God? Oh no, but He knows about my life. He knows what I need. No, we need to ask. And sometimes, you know, I come to the point where I just ask anything from God. It might be a little trivial thing and I go to the Lord and say, Lord, how would you, how would you deal with this? It, it's so oftentimes with my children. I do something wrong and I feel really guilty about it. I go to the Lord and say, Lord, how do, we, how do I deal with this? Is that much to ask, Lord? And he goes, I know you better than you know yourself. Thanks for asking. Now let's go to the Word. Let's, and then He teaches me something. And you know what I say sometimes? Ouch! But then I need to stand up from there and, and, and obey. <laughs> and obey. And then once you obey, guess what? You're going to get another test. Exactly the same test. <laughs> this is how the Lord works. But here is the thing you ask. And now He says the second thing is you can ask anything. Yeah, you can ask God anything. I know there's now a few young people or maybe some of you and go, Wow! Man, where is Sean? I want that car, man! Hey! <laughs> I want that flashy car! Lord, you said I can ask anything to you, Lord! <laughs> Sorry, Sean, I know that you, you would accept it, man. Oh, Lord House! Lord this! A, a nice holiday around the world! No, no, no. There's a condition here. I want you to see. Ask anything. What does it say there? According to His will. 
according to His will. You ask according to God's will. And then he says, you know, this is the confidence that we can come to the Lord in prayer. And then he uses this word petition. You know what a petition is? We put a petition in when we go to the council. We write it out, we get signatures on, and then what do we do? We go and give the petition in. And then what do we do? Do we stand at the door there and go tap, 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 tap? No, no, what happens? You give the petition in, and you walk away. You walk away. Because that petition is lying there, and it's maybe a bad example to use a council, but anyway, I'm going to use it. That petition goes into somebody's workflow, yeah? And in the right time, everybody say right time. At the right time, that officer picks up that petition, and then what happens? All of a sudden, you get action. That's how it sometimes works with God for your petitions. You know how people pray, Lord, I want it and I want it now, as if you're going to throw a tantrum. It ain't going to work that way. You need to think about this. That person that you've been praying for so long, the petition is with God. And it's not like he's with a council. That's why it's, it's a bad example. God answers your, question, your prayers always. But there is times when the petition is lying with him and he says, wait. The time. This is why I ask you to repeat the right time because the time is not right and i this man can tell you a lot about that there's a lot of things in my life that i prayed when i was younger i'm still young i'm just saying but when i was younger that i asked the lord and he didn't give it to me but later on in life he gave it to me and in hindsight it's a very good thing you knows that and when i look back in hindsight i said lord i thank you so much that you didn't give that to me then he knows best have you learned something about prayer? But that's the confidence. Let's finish. I'm just going to read over the next few verses and unpack one or two things and then we're going to pray. You see, that confidence will direct your prayer life even. So you've got confidence to stand when He appears. You've got confidence in prayer. Listen, let me just add this in. You will have confidence in life. General confidence in life. You know, there's so many people who's got mental problems these days because they don't have self-confidence. Maybe you need to start getting God-confidence. And the way that you get God-confidence is if you have the Son. Well, it's so clear. Look at this now. He says in 1 John 5, 16, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask. You see, there is the word. It means prayer. He refers to prayer. It doesn't mean that if you see somebody sin, that you're all of a sudden going to tell the whole church. Or all of your friends. Hey, have you heard what that brother has done and that sister? That is rife in our churches. Let me tell you, the sin of gossiping is one of the worst sins running in churches right now. I'm not asking, I'm telling you this. Gossiping is a sin. And you know how some people do it? They bring it into a prayer meeting. Oh Lord, I just want to bring to you today sister so-and-so. She bite the dog's tail last week and I saw her do that. Lord, have mercy on her. What have you done? That's not the place for it. No, no. He doesn't say call a church group now. He says, when you see this brother sinning a sin, which does not lead to death, and I'll talk about that, he will ask and he will give him life. So I'm praying now for sister so-and-so who bite the dog's tail. I'm praying now if that is a sin. I'm praying now and say, Lord, 
please help my sister that her eyes open. And if the opportunity is there, I share the gospel with her and say, it's not nice biting the dog's tongue. You know, he's got feelings as well. Anyway, I'm... But uh, you, you get where I'm going. But here is the thing, brothers and sisters, is that I'm asking God to open up a way that I can share the gospel and they come and they receive life. But this is what it, that confidence you have with Him because it's a petition. And He will give Him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that you pray about that. All unrighteousness is a sin and there is not a sin leading to death. Now there's a lot of people who say this is the sin against the Holy Spirit. I, I can't see that. What I do know is that the Lord sometimes let people die a physical death. We see this with Moses. What did Moses do? He hit the rock. What did God say? He will not go in. He died physically. Ananias and Sapphira, they died a physical life. Now I'm not going to unpack it and go further in that, but I just wanted to open that to you. Finally this morning before we end, verse 18. He says, If we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. He doesn't say that you cannot sin. Because I don't believe in a sinless perfection. I don't preach that. I know. I know what people say. But it means here that, and I've explained this already, we've preached through this, but I'll just mention it to you. That when you sin as a child of God, the Holy Spirit will not let you go. He will convict you and convict you and convict you until you repent. That is where he's referring to this. It doesn't mean that you are now walking and you've got this halo around you and you can't sin. No, no. What did Jesus do when, he, when the disciples were in the upper room? He, he put on, he wanted to wash their feet. What did Peter say? No, no, you don't wash my feet. What did Jesus say? He said, no, no, and then he said, Lord, not only my feet, but my whole body. What did he say? He says, you're already washed. Brothers and sisters, we are walking through a world which is there. I'm not saying it's affecting, uh, you know, our righteousness. You know, it's not that cloak, but what it is doing, brothers and sisters, we need to come to Christ and have a short account. We come to these people who's fallen back who needs to repent of the sin that they are doing. And he says it here now, he keeps himself and he does not touch him. We know that we are of God. We know. You see, there's the word know again. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Let me just say this quickly. If you see what's going on in the world, I'm not surprised. Because of this word. I'm not surprised. And there's terrible times coming. I know it. 40-minute cities or 15-minute cities. You know, things in the world. They want to take away. All of this stuff is coming because the world is lying under the sway. Of the evil one. And he wants to destroy what God has built. I'm not surprised. And we know, there's another word, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. That we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Did you enjoy one, John? Have we learned a lot of things? I want to say this. I, I think, and this is just my thoughts. I haven't read it. I haven't seen any, any commentators, theologians, or anything say this. But I think that he wanted to write a little bit more about idols. <laughs> it just feels to me personally, okay, that there's a few things unsaid here. That he could have easily gone on to chapter 6. 
Yes? Do you feel the same? Well, that's how I feel. Um, I'm not changing the word, by the way. There is no chapter 6. There's no other books about it. But that is the end. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you. And I hope and pray and preach that you've received something today. Let us pray before we go and sing. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much this morning, Lord, for your word. Uh, the Bible is so true, Lord, when, uh, when Paul writes down, he says, it is living and it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul, and it is the discerner of the hearts and the mind. And I thank you, Lord, that you've discerned your hearts and minds this morning. Father, certainly I've preached the word today, and in my spirit I picked up there's a few things that I still need to obey in the sermon even today, and I want to ask you to help me through the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.